stupid, important question. Go ahead. What is Brittany doing with her life? Who? Brittany. Brittany who? Spears. What is she doing with her career? <laughs> Why do we care at this point? Welcome to the Pipeline Award-Winning Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Gibbs. You can find me at Twitter, at Pipeline underscore. And you can find me right now, coming through your earbuds. What a week of college football. But I always got to bring in my partner when we're talking about the weird, the wild, the wacky that is college football, KSD from Pregame Empire. KSD, how we doing? Uh, it, it, uh, it was it was a week, uh, Jason, in, in college football uh, this weekend. It's uh, it was one of those uh, weeks that I, I like because um, you know you look at the schedule going into this week, and there was a couple games that stood out. You know, maybe like like a Baylor BYU. Obviously, everybody was talking about Alabama Texas, and that game more than delivered. But you know, it wasn't a week that everybody was looking at and going like, "Wow, this is going to be just some incredible week of college football." And yet, here we are. Uh, with uh, with the pretty incredible week of college football, lots of ranked teams going down, lots of things happening, and, and Nebraska finally did it. So yeah, this is a lot, lot, lot of things to talk about. Well, before we go further and we talk about the week's games, let me present you with five words, and I'm going to get your thoughts on them. Scott Frost, Pipeline Podcast Analyst. <laughs> I, I I like it. I mean, it's not like he's uh, got anything else going on right now, and you know he's. Got, got plenty of money, got uh, you know, eight, eight million uh, more dollars than everybody was expecting him to get uh, from, from the situation. But you, know, you bring it up on uh, Nebraska's firing Scott Frost. I want to talk about something that um, happened this week. And I was thinking about it today as uh, on Sunday as, again, Scott Frost got fired this afternoon. So Queen Elizabeth died on, on Thursdays. I, that, I think that was the day. Um, anyways, and I... Um, I just need to send a, a silly tweet on Thursday saying like Nebraska should just fire Scott Frost right now because the whole entire world is, you know, everybody's talking, tweeting, you know, all the news, whatever, all the media is all about Queen Elizabeth. Like nobody would even notice if they fired Scott Frost on Thursday afternoon. And I have people, it was actually mostly not Nebraska fans, which is the weird part. Like in my mentions being like, oh, you're such a moron. Like if they wait until October 1st, they have to, basically his buyouts like cut in half or something or like they, they're not going to do that they're, they're going to save try to save all this money well i didn't i mean I, I didn't necessarily think it would be like three whole days later before i, I got vindicated on that one but trev alberts I, I gave you the out man you totally should have taken my advice like if they had done this on thursday nobody's talking about it nobody notices and it probably doesn't change the result of the game on saturday anyways like it's not gonna be worse like you're not you know it's not gonna be worse than what it was so I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I you know, could have could have done the Nebraska Athletic Department a, a massive favor and like they should have just listened. You know, I totally forgot you tweeted that because it was washed away by the by the news of, of the queen passing away. But <laughs> that, that was yeah. very pressing. And, and I'm like you. Well, for those that don't know, Scott Frost had a buyout in his contract in which once October 1st hit, if they bought, you know, if they fired him and bought his contract out at that point, Nebraska essentially saved $8 million, maybe $8.5 million. I can't remember the exact figure, but a ton of money. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. But I guess imagine being so bad at your job, people want to pay you $8 million extra just to go away. But the, well, the craziest I mean, thing to me, the craziest thing to me is. It's not like you're going to get anybody between now and then. It's not like people are going to quit on their teams. 
So you were just doing it because I guess you were, I, I, my only thought is Trev Alberts was the athletic director was doing him a favor. Now that's a heck of a favor to be done, but I guess that that's what it is. Well, if I was Scott Frost, or, or and especially if I was Scott Frost's agent, the, the second I realized that that was the buyout situation, you know, going into this season, I would have been tanking like crazy. Because, you know, he, <laughs> unless they went to like the Rose Bowl or something, he was going to get fired. So like, you, you go into the season knowing, all right, um, this is going to happen. If, if I could just be super bad. And, and you got an extra week head start season two since they played a week zero. If I could just be bad enough at my job to be done by October 1st, it's going to literally pay out for me so like yeah like I, I would have totally been i mean i don't know i'm not saying they were you know he was tanking the season i'm not saying he wasn't you know but like that's what i would have been doing like are, are we watching film at whatever you know like <laughs> kind of every corner you can't i mean i don't know maybe somehow the the nebraska lineman throwing up like 20 times of practice you know maybe scott frost is mixing something in the gatorade maybe that's related to this i don't know but i would have been taking like crazy nebraska tanking for the number one overall pick we'll see if it pays out but Nebraska wasn't the only team upset KSD. Obviously, we have we have Alabama's near upset, but that uh, didn't pay out. But then Texas A&M going down, Notre Dame going down, Duke upset Northwestern in the Nerd Bowl. I thought that was pretty wild. I don't know if you happened to catch my tweet in which I said, if, you know, I always call it the Nostradamus parlay. If you had bet a single dollar on Duke, Marshall, App State, Wazoo, Middle Tennessee State, Kansas, Kentucky, Iowa State, and Georgia Southern. If you bet a single dollar, the payout would have been, I think, $7.3 million. So there was money to be made out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk about Texas A&M App State because this is – I mean – one, te- Texas A&M, I know we talked about, I think we talked about this last week, Texas A&M made uh, a classic scheduling blunder by even playing App State to begin with, because this is literally what they do. Like they won, in Ch- uh, they beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill a few years ago. They should have won a game at Penn State. They also should have won a game at Tennessee. They obviously won the, you know, the game at Michigan at, at the big house. Like they have a history for doing this. Like, you know, like and, and everybody knows it too. It's like App State is a known commodity for literally exactly this. So that's problem number one for Texas A&M. But I want to talk about Texas A&M's offense because I genuinely don't know what's going on here. Because um, again, if you will recall here, App State was also in the headlines uh, week one, you know, in another game of the week type situation for almost the complete opposite reason of what happened yesterday. So, again, you know, App State loses 63-61 to North Carolina at home in Boone. Also, North Carolina was down their top two receivers in that game. So, obviously not a great defensive performance from App State. But and then yesterday, A&M at home against App puts up 14 points. Now, I want to just go through some of these team stats, comparing comparing what A&M did, again, at home against App State to what North Carolina did two weeks ago. Now, granted, North Carolina appears like they could have, you know, potential top 10 offense in the country, but the number comparison here is still very stark. So, first of all, North Carolina scores 63 points. Um, quick math here, I mean, that's, you know, they, they did kick a couple of field goals and an extra point, so it was only eight touchdowns, but, you know, conventional math says that's nine touchdowns. Right, let's just call it nine touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M had nine first downs yesterday against App State. <laughs> Texas A&M, 186 total yards of offense compared to 567 last week for North Carolina. Again, on the road against App State and compared to at home, 89 yards rushing. I mean, like 
that's crazy. Like your dudes are just bigger. You're Texas A and M. Your team is four and five stars. You have like the greatest recruiting class ever. Like I, I don't know, man. It, it's not like it was one of those games where um you know A and M just turned it over like four times. You know they, they had two turnovers, but that's not why they lost. But also like even on the flip side, they couldn't go off the field. That after the time of possession is crazy. It's forty one to eighteen after they had the ball for like three quarters of the game. So I don't know, man. I mean, I can't I can't imagine being you know like on on Texags watching. App State, North Carolina last week, and then and be like, all right, that defense is rolling in here. We should be, we should be okay. And then you go out there and score fourteen points. Like that's well, like Scott Frost, Jimbo's rich, so that's good. Well, think about it: fourteen points, seven of them was on a kick return. So really, the offense yeah. scored seven. So I think this was the biggest thrashing of a three-point victory I've ever seen in my life. What did they? What did oh, App State yeah. run like eighty something plays to thirty something? Yeah, it's it i mean it really could have been a lot worse like i mean if you just look at the score you think oh you know app state you know kind of got one over on a&m but no i mean it was it was a thorough ass kicking of a three-point win well what i'm most excited about for is this week is me and you traveling to texas a&m to potentially walk on at quarterback i think we got a (laughs) shot i think it all all cards are on the table at this point and all we have to do is talk to jimbo and say hey man we can't do any worse than what you just did against App State, right? If, if, we, if we just if we just say that we uh, we love and respect and praise uh, Queen Queen Miss Rev, um, then uh, I think I think that's all it takes to get to uh, to, to get on the football team. So as long as, as long as we show our proper respect, it should be good. I also like I like I like college game day. I I don't remember them ever doing this move, and obviously it's because next week's slate isn't great, and there was some you know games like this one that kind of turned things on its head, but. I mean, I just working under the assumption that they were going to go to College Station for Texas A and Miami, and then App beats them, and they just flip it and just go to Boone instead. <laughs> I have never, I, I have never seen that move. They're like, well, okay, we'll just go there. Sure, why, why not? But um, yeah, that I, I, I absolutely love that move. So I think it's hilarious. It's funny because they beat them on the field, and then they beat them off the field. Now, <laughs> game day heading to Boone. Really, like you said, I think it's unprecedented. But we talk about inept offenses. We, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the inept offense and possibly the history of college football. Your Iowa Hawkeyes and <laughs> offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz seems to have apparently has ties to the coach. I guess he's his son or something. I don't know if you guys are aware about Kurt <laughs> Ferentz hiring his son to do an awful job. But so far, the plan's working out. Here's This might be the stat of the year, KSD. Iowa has, and now I know we're early in the year, so let's pace ourselves, but Iowa has 316 yards of offense, which would rank them 105th in the nation. That's per game. Iowa has that in two games. So you would take (laughs) half that amount. They are dead last in the nation in yards per game, about 80 something yards lower than I think New Mexico state. They've scored a total of they scored seven last week and seven this week. But remember, four of those last week were from safeties. So they've yeah. scored a total of 10 points, averaging obviously five points a game against Iowa State. And of course, checking the notes, defensive stalwart South Dakota State. <laughs> Iowa I might be my like, favorite team of the season. I absolutely, I love this team so much. And so I, I want to I wanna do a, a quick thought exercise here, here Jason. So, they were talking talking about their offense. Iowa has scored exactly seven points in both games. Now, 
again, as you just mentioned, is a very different seven points. And it was hilarious, too, that the one touchdown drive they had yesterday was like a 16-yard drive. But let's play a, a hypothetical here. So, again, the, they're averaging exactly seven points a game, scored seven points twice. So, you, know, you play 12 games a season. Let's say they have 84 total points to work with for the entire season. <laughs> now, in this hypothetical, you, you don't have to score exactly seven points in every game. You can kind of spread them around as you want to. But you have – so, I guess now they have, what, um, 70, 70 remaining points. They've already used, you know, 14 of them. So, how many games do you think they win the rest of the season – like they they can win while averaging seven points. Um, let me oh, let me man. just give you some a brief schedule rundown here. First, next week is they have Nevada at home. That's probably a win. I think that you could probably score. You could probably score only seven and still win that. Maybe you score ten at Rutgers. I I mean you could probably do it there too. Michigan at home, you're probably going to need to dip into your reserves a little bit or just choose not to score and save some for another uh, another game. Moving, moving down the schedule here. Illinois on the road. I don't. I mean, you could maybe use a little extra score, score ten, score twelve, something like that. At this, now, this is this is the one, one of the two games of the year for me for Iowa is October twenty second at Ohio State. Like, if I if, if, if this you know, <laughs> hypothetical was true and they only have eighty four points the rest of the season, I would use like sixty of them in this game. Like, all right, let's just drop, <laughs> let's just drop sixty in Columbus. And just totally like every other game they score like seven or ten, and it just totally skews their scoring average, score zero some games. I mean, and there is sort of a precedent for that. That was almost kind of what they did in, in 2017. But play Northwestern on October 29th, you could probably win that one with seven points. At Purdue, you might do a little more than that. At, uh, Wisconsin at home, I don't know. I mean, if you score like nine, maybe. At Minnesota probably isn't enough. Nebraska at home, yeah, you could that, you could score two and win that one probably. That which. Brings me to my second game of the year, by the way, is this is this is my game of the year in the entirety of the sport is Black Friday in Iowa City, Nebraska in Iowa. This is going to be an incredibly stupid display of football. We have no idea who is going to be coaching or on Nebraska staff. I mean, I kind of figured that'd be the case before Scott Frost got fired today, but now it's official. Also, there's a decent chance Iowa will be without an offensive coordinator because I have a hard time believing Brian Ferentz is going to make it through the year, which you, you brought him up, but like it is incredible that like Kirk Ferentz has been there what for like twenty years now, something like that. Yeah, 20, it's been a while. Yeah, what, like he's like the longest FBS like tenured FBS coach. It, I have never seen somebody who is like that been at one place for so long and has their son on staff, which like that's normal, but has their son on staff and their son is this hated this quickly. Like it took nothing for them to be like, yeah, Brian Ferentz sucks, get his ass out of here. Like I mean, <laughs> like that is crazy to me. But yeah, Iowa, Nebraska, Black Friday game of the year. This game's gonna be so stupid. There's gonna be the over under is gonna be like three and a half. It's gonna be it's gonna be incredible. See, I'm over here figuring. I'm parsing out points, thinking, well, if we score nine against Nevada, we could get a win. But no, you you want to torch Ohio State to the ground, ruin all their chances for national championship, and then not win a game the rest of the year because you burnt all your 84 points in that one game. See, if they score like 60 against Ohio State, I think like, you know, like two points, there's somebody on their schedule they can beat with two points. I guarantee it. Like, like at Illinois, yeah, they can win that two nothing. Like, I don't know. I don't think it's, I don't think it's guaranteed L's the rest of the way if they, if they're only scoring like two or fives here and there. Cause you also do have to remember the, the weirder a score is, the weirder the score that Iowa has, the more likely they are to win a game. Like, for example, if Iowa scores like 11, you're screwed. You know, I, I I don't think it's I don't think they have one for college, but they have you ever seen that account Scorigami? 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure if they did have one for college, it would just be nothing but Iowa scores. Like, especially the, the first part of the matrix or the spreadsheet, it'd just be Iowa two to nothing, Iowa four to nothing, <laughs> Iowa four to two, you know? <laughs> well, I, I did hear um, a stat this week. I don't remember where I heard, heard it from or if I'm going to get it totally right, but it's something along the lines of, Iowa has the most wins of like by they, I think they've won eight games since I want to say it, I think it was since 2000 um, eight games. Iowa's won eight games where they punted eight times or more and nobody else in the country has won more than two. So, <laughs> that's pretty much all you need to know right there. There has never been a joke told about Iowa football and, and, and I think that's beautiful. You know, think about you think about a program like Nebraska, you think about Iowa but how about your Kansas Jayhawks leading the Big 12 at 2 and 0? How about this KSD? I I said the other the Iowa ineptitude on offense was the stat of the year. Kansas over under total has already hit at 1.5 was their total for the year. <laughs> they are, go head to the window, cash your ticket. You know, a lot of time a lot of people say, "Well, I don't want to bet a lot of money on futures and tie up my money all year." Nah, pal, you're already cashing in if you bet the over on Kansas. Yeah, that, that was an easy cash. I, that game, like, there, there were so many games yesterday that were in contention for, like, game of the week, game of the day. That was a, that one was in there. That was a, a barn burner in overtime. That one was was, was electric. But, um, yeah, I mean, Kansas over – I didn't realize their win total was only one and a half. That's awesome. But, yeah, 1-0 in the, in the Big 12. So, uh, so lead the conference. Mind you, that, that is about to lose Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. So, I don't know. I think they, I think they invited the wrong school – to the SEC, I think Kansas is, uh, is, is making the case. That's a good point because they would have really brought basketball up too. Yeah. Here's the, the weird thing. How about in overtime? What did they win by 13? I didn't even know that was possible. Oh, yeah, they got, well, they, they got, yeah, they got a pick six um, to end the game. Like uh, this completely, <laughs> un, completely unnecessary pick six. I mean, they like the turnover was enough to win it, but dude, we're turning for a touchdown anyway. So yeah, that I, God, I forgot that even happened. But um, yeah, that was another like weird thing of like, if you just, like didn't watch the game, it's like, how, how, yeah, how do you win by two touchdowns in overtime? But I mean, Kansas is definitely the kind of program that would find a way to do something like that. Normally, they'd probably find a way to lose by like twenty in overtime. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see the the tides turn for them a little bit. One thing that that terrified me of is, you know, there's been times in the past where maybe I've placed a wager here or there. We won't discuss any numbers per se, but when I've got to overtime, if I had a a number higher than eight, I say, okay, it was cool. I, I got it. You know, if I had like plus plus nine or something, okay, well, it's cool. I, I know I can't lose. I should have been terrified for this exact reason, but <laughs> Kansas really coming through that. I think they were almost two touchdown underdogs and man, yeah, they're doing a great job out there. Not to bring it back to Iowa here, but I'm just looking through the, the scores from yesterday. Well, all roads lead to oh. Iowa. All roads in college football <laughs> lead through Iowa. I, I mean, it kind of been true before. Iowa always seems to be like the most important team because they seem to be the team where it's like, well, you know, Michigan beat them by two and Ohio State beat them by three, but Iowa State beat them by seven and Oklahoma beat Iowa State. Like when it comes to playoff <laughs> stuff, somehow Iowa matters. But um, the, so I said Nevada, they played Nevada next week and um, at home, uh, Nevada lost yesterday to Incarnate Word. So I think they lost to the literal Bible. But um. The Incarnate Word also put put up 55 in that game, so I can't wait for Brian Ferentz to score like 12 and, and everybody to be even uh, even more mad at the offense <laughs> when, when Incarnate Word dropping 55 on the road. What a day. What a sport. 
I, you know, we, we'd also be remiss. I don't know if you saw this KSD where you were right. There were so many games of the day and, and games of the week and games of the year, possibly. And we're only in week two. And this was another one. The seven overtime game between Eastern Kentucky and Bowling Green. <laughs> I don't know if you had this that might, on your bingo my, this, card, but this game might have my play of the year. Okay. And I know, I know that's where you're going with this game. Keep going. <laughs> so I don't know. I had blacked out at some point trying to follow the game. And I think it was in overtime three or four. Like I said, there was one of those, what was the game last year? Illinois and Penn state, right? I think it had eight yep, or nine yep. overtimes. Yep. This was vying for that, but a, a hook and ladder hook and lateral, whatever you want to call it play on a two-point conversion, because remember, I think after the third overtime, it's just nothing but two-point conversions. Back to a lineman, a a hook and ladder play to a lineman. It was one of the most mind-blowing things. I should preface that by saying he didn't get in. He was tackled (laughs) short of the goal lines, shockingly. This was reminiscent of me to the Virginia, Virginia Tech game last year where they threw the lateral back to the Virginia lineman and he got tackled maybe like 25 yards outside the end zone. Now, that was the all time. I think that was the all time worst play in college football history. But this was at least fun. I mean, if you're going to surprise someone, why not, you know, pitch it back to a lineman hoping his weight can just fall into the end zone and, and break the plane? I'm not sure I've ever loved a singular play so much that had absolutely zero chance of working. Like there was like, when you watch this, there was no way that this play was ever going to work, but it was, it was absolutely beautiful. And offensive lineman got, I can't remember um, the guy's name who he actually is, but um, that man was hustling. That man was on his horse trying to get into the end zone after catching the lateral. And uh, like he, he knew that this was the moment, this was his time, and he got like maybe a half a yard from where he caught the ball at. But uh, but that man was absolutely hustling. It was like Scott Van Pelt um, on Bad Beats, that Virginia, like whatever they played, like Abilene Christian or something like that. When he said like, get on your horse 72 or whatever the guy's <laughs> number was. It was literally, it was like that, except for it was like that for like the smallest possible fraction of a second. Because that dude was on his horse for about like a step and a half before getting uh, before getting tackled. But yeah. This play was this was beautiful. This was the best individual play of the weekend. This guy should be a, a Heisman contender. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was it was absolutely gl- glorious. It really was. I, I would nominate him for Heisman just on that play alone. But I, I tend to to not have a vote for things like that for that exact reason. Also, obviously, I also would like to point out that uh, Eastern Kentucky did end up winning the, the two point shootout here, even though this, that wasn't the game winning play, but. At least the mindset was right enough to where the, the college football gods made sure they won. If you're not going to leave it all in the field, man, including pitching back to your lineman, then then what are we <laughs> even here for? You know. <laughs> yeah. But, um. I, can we can we talk about Notre Dame? I think we need to talk about Notre Dame. We'd be remiss if we didn't because, bring up <laughs> the first zero and three coach in Notre Dame history to start um, his career, Marcus Freeman. He's already he's already lost as many games through three games as Brian Kelly did in his first 30 games at Notre <laughs> Dame. Like, that is unreal. I feel like Notre Dame, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. But I feel like because of all that happened yesterday, Notre Dame is sort of getting off easy as far as the jokes and the ribbing and, like, stuff on Twitter. Because, like, A&M, you know, was basically doing the exact same thing at the exact same time. And, you know, Alabama, Texas was a thing. And, you know, you have all these great games throughout the day. Where I think like Notre Dame almost is kind of like it. This feels so weird saying it, but Notre Dame losing at home to a Sun Belt school seems like it's flying under the radar a little bit. But yeah, I mean, 
the, I mean, the biggest difference between this one and App State, right? We talked about how App State was pretty much a thorough ass kicking of a three point win. Like Marshall, I mean, not this is not just to uh, to take any credit away from Marshall at all, but this was more of the we forced a couple turnovers. You know, we had some big plays. You know, ha- had some timely interceptions and won because we won the turnover battle three to nothing. Like this was definitely more along that, like kind of more of the typical line of upset with with how a game like this goes, but. I mean, I thought for sure when Notre Dame scores in the fourth quarter to take like a four-point lead or something like that, I thought for sure they were just going to ride it out and you know win an ugly, an ugly game where they win by like you know four, maybe they tack on another field goal or something. But nope, a couple more interceptions later, and, uh, and here we are. I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, Marsh is putting up a fight, Can, you know, because they were up at halftime, and then they kicked a field goal in the third quarter to extend their lead. And yep. then when they gave up the lead, we've seen that a bunch of times. Top teams get a scare. They take the lead, and then they just kind of close out the game. Notre it really Dame, didn't like, happen that does, way. Notre Dame is like the like you know top program to 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 does this too. Like I swear they they always have a weird home game against somebody bad, whether it's you know like somebody like a Marshall or um like just a bad ACC school where they win by like five points, but like it just looks horrendous and it doesn't really end up mattering because they, they get the job done. But yeah, it's nice to see it go, go the other way this time. Um, I want to talk about the Sun Belt though. The Sun Belt is our greatest college football conference. The Sun Belt should be given all the TV deals. We should watch the Sun Belt all the time. They should get like automatic birth to the playoff. The Sun Belt is absolutely incredible football. And just yesterday alone kind of proved that, but really the first two weeks of the season has been electric. I mean, this is, this is what happened in the Sun Belt yesterday. So Arkansas State gets crushed by Ohio State. That, that's fine. That, that's okay. App State beats A&M. Marshall beats Notre Dame. Southern Miss was almost leading Miami at halftime, but they ended up losing by 20. South Alabama uh, beat Central Michigan by a couple touchdowns. James Madison scores 63 on Norfolk State. Old Dominion, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of bad. But you did beat Virginia Tech last week, so that's not all bad for you, but they, they <laughs> lost by 20. Louisiana Lafayette with a t- four-touchdown win. Troy with a big win. Texas State with a big win. Georgia Southern beats Nebraska and sends Scott Frost packing. Louisiana Monroe, big win. And Coastal Carolina kind of struggled. But the, the, the Sun Belt is, is our greatest conference. Every game is absolutely electric. There's some some of the most intense rivalries that doesn't that don't give respect. You know, games like App State, Georgia Southern, uh, you know, C- Coastal Carolina, you know, in there too as well. Um, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, that's a big rivalry. Louisiana, um, you know, has some, uh, some some rivals in the conference as well. Like these games are intense. These games are crazy. These games are always weird and off the rails. I, I love that they started doing the like Wednesday nights in October kind of ma- like action like you know with with Sun Belt games. But yeah, I mean this conference deserves more love. It's legitimately good football. Like App State is legit good. Marshall is legit good. Georgia Southern is legit good. Coastal is also legit good. Like it's not just you know oh these teams are these teams do play weird games. No, it's it's legit good football, and it's it's our our, our greatest conference in the sport, and are definitely our least appreciated. You know, it's named the Fun Belt for a reason. But there's two great little tidbits talking about the Fun Belt. Georgia Southern, obviously, they go into Lincoln, upset Nebraska in today's. Scott Frost is fired. How about this week two last year? I can't remember. Somebody tweeted this out and forgive me for forgetting who it was, but week two last year, Clay Helton fired at USC. (laughs) Week two this year, Clay Helton, head coach of Georgia Southern, beats Nebraska to get Scott Frost fired. That's the first tip. That's, you know, classic college football chicanery. The other one, the AP came out today, the AP rankings. And if we take a quick look at 
number 24 ranked Texas A&M, not pictured App State. So the team you just beat is still ranked above, and you beat them on the road in a thorough whipping. They are not ranked. It's just classic AP foolishness, but. Yeah, the, 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 the AP poll may be bad for that reason, but also be like, so last week, Florida beats Utah at home and jumps from unranked to number 12. This week, Marshall goes to Notre Dame and wins and can't even crack the poll. So that's uh, that's frustrating as well. But I want to point out, I mean, Jordan, so Georgia Southern scores 45 points on Nebraska. And obviously, we mentioned Scott Frost is fired, as he probably should be. But he's also got uh, a lot more coin in his pockets uh, now as well. But Georgia Southern scores 45 in Lincoln. And <laughs> it's, it's wild. I mean, the Clay Helton has been there for like, what probably like six months now like they, you know they kind of hired a blatant disciple they've been there for six months and he's taken georgia southern who has always been known as a you know run the ball they, they ran the option for forever team they threw the ball 56 times for 409 yards in lincoln that, in game two like it took literally like a month for them to be like all right we're just gonna wing it all over the place and absolutely carve up a big 10 team so i also would like to I, again i mentioned that i I had an idea that would have helped out Trev Alberts had he listened to me. So I'm going to give him another shot here and, and, and give him um, an idea here as well. So there's a, there, there's a coach in, in the Midwest area. Yeah. So that, that, that's good for some, some recruiting ties um, who, you know, is at a, at a smaller school, um, you know, a school that you know, it's more of an up and coming type job, you know, not so much like, you know, you go, you're going from, you know, a, a power five uh, type, of uh, of job, but he's had an up and coming job. He had a, a big win this week. He, um, you know, he he's he's kind of a, a he, he's a name that floats around in, in the in the social media circles a little bit because of you know some of the things he he he's done. But um, why not why not give a call to uh, Missouri State's own Bobby Petrino and see if he wants to uh, to coach the Huskers? He might have some thought on cobs, uh, corn cobs, and other types of cobs as well. Why ratchet down the circus when you can ratchet up the circus? You know, it would be amazing. I, I think you're right, but I have no idea who Nebraska goes for. I've seen it insanely big names thrown around. I don't know why they'd leave their programs and I don't know why they'd leave in the middle of the season and tank their recruiting or, and all the other things that would come with it. But it's definitely going to bear watching. I will say this on our Discord, shameless plug, I'll leave the link in the description. We were definitely during the game chanting extend Scott Frost and <laughs> one of my favorite comments was that there's a Miami account there Canes he's great he said uh Manny Diaz to Nebraska so oh my god <laughs> yeah like I like Scott Frost finally getting fired is like kind of boring just because like all right now I mean I guess the, the jokes will turn into whoever you know their coaching hire is because uh you know we, we know um we know Nebraska has, has, has done well in that department uh, of late, but um, I want to know two things. One, I, I want to know who watched the game with Bo Pelini yesterday, last night, and I also want to know <laughs> what his reaction was today when he gets, like, the first text that Scott Frost has been fired. That dude is just such an unfiltered hater where I know he would have said something just hilarious, so I wish I was in the room when, I, when Bo Pelini found out the news today. It would have been great. It absolutely would have been incredible. 
I want, I want to bring up one quick thing before we hop off here. Wazoo wins uh, wins, in, wins at Wisconsin yesterday. Big win for them. Big win for, for Jake Dicker, first-year head coach. But I need somebody who, Wisconsin fan, who, reporter, writer, whoever, it doesn't matter. Somebody, I, I need somebody to figure this out of how much alcohol was drank in Madison, Wisconsin yesterday because that's probably two of our like most drinkingest universities in, in America getting together for a, uh, a, a consumption-heavy event, uh, also known as a college football game. So, you know, and Wisconsin's the kind of people where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I just had 35 bush lights because it's Tuesday, you know, and, and you know, Wazoo is, is more of the, well, you know, I, I drank uh, half a handle of Fireball just to just to, to get ready for dinner. You know, that that's kind of more of their thing. So I really just need to know what's our final tally here? Like, you know, how, how does this all shake out? What, what are we looking at? Any, any records set? I also want to uh, shout out the, the Wisconsin girl, I'm guessing, student who, you know, during one of the pregame, you know, festivities, every team has a version of whatever sort of walk where, you know, the marching band, you know, walks through the crowd and the team gets off the bus, you know, kind of deal where she jumped in with the marching band with the, with the, um, the, the tuba section of the marching band with the beer bong. I don't know if you uh if, if you saw this, Jason, but she was holding it like it was her, her tuba and marching through. So shout out to her. And maybe she could tell me how much uh, was drunk over the weekend in Madison. Yeah, I'm sure the records were broken, especially if you think about whiskey being a 17 and a half point favorite and then they lose. Yep. I'm sure even more were beers were consumed to kind of drown their, their sorrows. Well, I, I've said this before, and I, this is one thing I love about watching our Wisconsin fans is when it comes to Wisconsin football and basketball, they're just going to get drunk no matter what. Like, I don't, the level doesn't really change whether they win or lose. It's just like, we're, that's just what we're going to do. It's more like the temperament of it is like the only thing that changes. Like, I don't think the, the amount doesn't change, the, the level of consumption is all about the temperament of them doing so. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's a perfect bow to wrap on this weird, wild, wacky weekend of week two college football. Remember to follow us. I am Jason at pipeline underscore on Twitter. He is KSD at pregame empire on Twitter. Leave us a five-star review, subscribe, like, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your lovers, tell everyone. And we'll see you guys next time on pipeline award-winning podcast. Coach Ode in Nebraska. Do it. Yeah. <laughs>